Good afternoon, everyone. This is Dr. Richard McCallum. I'm the editor-in-chief of the Journal of Investigative Medicine, the uh, journal for the American Federation for Medical Research. And this afternoon, we're very fortunate to have the national president-elect as our guest. Uh, Dr. Samrat Das is just that, um, as well as being an associate professor of pediatrics at Duke University. And uh, he has been asked to join us this month, uh, certainly because of AFMR attributes, but also because this is National uh, Breastfeeding Month. Um, and it was actually a toss-up, Dr. Das. It was also National Gastroparesis Month. And oh, being, okay. being a gastroenterologist, this was near and dear to my heart, but uh, I did realize that there are things maybe more relevant for this particular time that we're going through and breastfeeding is always a very important and hot topic. So it won, hands down. So Dr. Des comes to us very well qualified. Uh, originally a graduate at the University Medical Center in India. Uh, he probably graduated a little bit before Indian cricket uh, became so dominant. I'm an Australian and we love to beat India. <laughs> but that's not as easy now. Um, he went and did an internship and residency in New York, New York Medical College, and then uh, went across country to Reno, Nevada in Las Vegas um, as a pediatric residency director, associate professor of pediatrics. Um, at uh, the Reno School of Medicine, which is based both in Reno and in Las Vegas. For the last three to four years now, he's been a Duke. And there his title uh, is Associate Professor of Pediatrics. Uh, and his focus is definitely on quality of care, uh, pediatric patient care in the hospital setting, um, undergraduate and graduate medical education interprofessional education, simulation education, improving quality of practice, uh, has a, a specific interest um, more recently in uh, areas of um, medical education. Um, wrote a very nice article in our journal recently on mentoring and uh, has focused, he, he tells me more recently also on child abuse. So, Dr. Das comes to us extremely qualified to address uh, the topic that I think we'd like to hear from him about today, which is breastfeeding. Let me start off um, and ask you a very simple question, I guess. Uh, is breastfeeding uh, in the world, in the US world at least, and probably in the world in general, in a, on an upward swing? Are we plateaued or is it less popular? Uh, great question. Uh, before I answer the question, Richard, I would like to thank you for this kind invitation and for the kind uh, introduction. Um, it's very good to be here. And uh, this is National Breastfeeding Month, which means this is a great opportunity to promote the importance of um, breastfeeding. So I'm very pleased to be here. Now to answer your question, um, so the American Academy of Pediatric recommends that all infants be exclusively breastfed 
till six months of age. And then from between six months to one year of age, there could be introductions of other solids and liquids. But up till six months, exclusively breastfeeding. And that's the recommendation of World Health Organization. Now, in terms of how we are doing, so in America, 83% of infants get started on breastfeeding when they are born. However, when it comes to six months, it's only 25% who are being exclusively breastfed at six months. So that's, that's a big decline. So we definitely have a lot of room to improve there. And I think that's, that's why it, this still it makes it so relevant to talk about the importance of breastfeeding. So in losing those 75% um, or so over six months, or not quite that, more like 59% uh, over six months, what uh, are the main factors that contributed to that attrition rate? Well, there are um, a lot of um, barriers or perceived barriers. Now, um, it has been um, seen that about 60% of mothers um, actually end up breastfeeding for less duration than they had intended to. Um, so, and the barriers they see are multiple levels. So um, there are barriers due to not lactating enough, meaning not producing enough breast milk, uh, problems with latching on. And then there are problems with work-related. They need to go back to work. And, you know, not, of, not a lot of employers give paid maternity leave. Um, there are issues with breastfeeding in public places. Um, there are not always um, areas where uh, people can breastfeed. Then there are cultural issues. And then um, there are issues with family support. And sometimes then mothers are on certain medications. Um, so they feel that they are not able to breastfeed. So there are multiple issues. There have been surveys done on uh, what are uh, the most important barriers and ability to breastfeed in a public place, uh, having a a private area in public space and um, having a leave, maternity leave, uh, ranks some of the most important uh, barriers to breastfeeding. And at this time, I would like to also highlight another thing now that you um, um, asked me about how we are doing in the US. The other thing that really bothers me is the issue of disparity. Um, 15 the African-American community infants are 15% less likely to be breastfed compared to um, white infants or Hispanic infants in the U.S. And then there are disparities between states also. Uh, in general, infants in southeastern uh, states seem to be uh, less exclusively breastfed at six months. And then, eight, you know, mothers in um, a rural areas, infants in rural areas seem to be less exclusively breastfed at six months compared to urban areas. Now, one question I'd like to ask you, so many people on diets, there's all sorts of dietary stories going around the country from the Mediterranean diets to the very high, uh, low fat, high carbohydrate diet, no protein diet, there's, there's all sorts of fads and 
some well-meaning well diets that go on all the time. How much role do you think that the, the nutritional state of the mother, the food intake, uh, the content of the food, how, how does that uh, maybe play into uh, how the child adapts to breastfeeding or maybe even the temperament of the child? That's a great question, Richard. Um, so in general, we recommend that women do not limit or avoid any specific foods. Uh, we recommend that they eat a healthy and balanced diet. However, there are certain types of seafood um, that we recommend that they consume in limited amounts and the same goes for caffeine while breastfeeding. Now, the reason we um, say there should be some limit on how much seafood they're taking is because uh, fish, they have mercury and that gets accumulated in the flesh. And um, sometimes if people are taking a lot of fishes, then um, the problem is that mercury can be transpassed from uh, mother to the infant in the milk and mercury has a deleterious effect on the brain and development of the infant. So um, recommendation is about four ounces pre-cooked fish, about two to three times a week. That's the recommendation in terms of the amount of fish. And then we recommend that uh, people try to take low mercury fishes. And in terms of caffeine, you know, two to three cups of caffeine is okay. But then if someone is getting on to like eight to 10 large cups of coffee, that could cause some problem in the infant in terms of being more jittery, uh, lack of sleep and fussiness. Um, other than that, we recommend that mothers take a healthy, balanced uh, diet and take some extra calories, about 500 to 750 extra calories when they're breastfeeding. Yes, certainly, as you said, uh, diet, vegetarian, gluten, there's so many different varieties, but in general, babies seem to survive despite these variable diets, as long as there's a minimal uh, attention to uh, maybe sparing the fish and having some balance. Also, people use breastfeeding in a way as a way to facilitate weight loss, right? It's a good way to help you lose some of that postpartum weight. Uh, how, how does that all factor in as well? That's right. Uh, it not only helps in losing weight, like immediately postpartum and in the next few months, what has been shown is it actually lowers the risk of high blood pressure type 2 diabetes in mother, in addition to some benefit in a reduction of the risk of ovarian and breast cancer. So it's, it's very important for mother. Mm -hmm. You bring up a good point about you know, vegan diet. So uh, I like to address that before we move on uh, to a, a different question. Now, vegan diet um, is low in vitamin B12. So we do recommend if someone is on strict vegan diet to take some vitamin B12 supplement as a multivitamin or uh, just B vitamin supplement. And finally, or not finally, but another question just on the breast milk. We have some other areas to uh, enter into as well. But storing breast milk, handling express breast milk, is there, are there any tricks or any things that we should not do? 
Well, um, it's a great question. Now, um, in terms of um, handling breast milk, you know, a lot of mothers, once they are going back to work or to school, um, they will have to, you know, they have to express the breast milk. And now that could be done manually or using a manual pump or using a, a machine pump. Now, what we recommend is they do good hand washing and with soap and water. And if that's not available to use a hand sanitizer, which has at least 60% alcohol in it. Now, to, um, we also recommend that they wash the, the containers and, uh, and the breastfeeding pump and take a look at the tubing if it's getting old or molded to discard that and replace that. In terms of storage, we recommend that they store it in good food containers with tight lids, uh, lids in either um, glass or um, a plastic containers. And then in terms of uh, storing, um, the general rule is if the breast milk is expressed, you could keep it in room temperature for four hours, refrigerator for uh, four days and in the freezer for at least six months and many times up to 12 months. Wow. So that's in general the rule. Now, however, if um, the mother has fed the baby uh, the express breast milk and there's some leftover milk in the bottle, that could be used only up to, um, um, up to two hours, not wow. for four hours. Yeah. Um, another no is like once you have thawed the milk from the freezer milk, um, it is recommended never to refreeze that again. So once the breast mm -hmm. milk that's kept in freezer is thawed, that should not be uh, that should not be uh, refreezed again. That's a no. Well, let me bring a little GI question into this. So I use a lot of the drug called domperidone. Domperidone. It's a drug which increases serum prolactin, which is a very important in the process of breastfeeding postpartum. In some countries in the world, we know that domperidone is used to prolong breastfeeding, sustain the milk production. Are there any tricks in this country that people use to sustain and promote and endow breast milk over time to go longer? So as um, you very well know, Richard, the best way to get prolactin secreted is the baby sucking on the breast. And there is not a better stimulant than that. So um, we recommend um, early latching on and you know, continuous support system for mothers and uh, to you know, feed the baby and and, and if there are any barriers to address those barriers, and if they're not able to feed the baby directly uh, because of work, because of school, to express breast milk on a very frequent ba basis. So that's like kind of our emphasis. The American Academy of Pediatrics um, does not recommend usage of any medication to facilitate uh, extra lactation. Well, let me turn to the current world, which is obviously relevant to pretty much everything we're doing. And so I couldn't let this interview go by without asking you in this environment, in this pandemic setting, how do you look at the role of uh, COVID-19 and uh, the breastfeeding world? I guess we try to connect COVID to everything. 
I'm sure we can connect it to breastfeeding somehow and come up with a discussion. That's right. And, you know, it's actually, uh, it's a huge issue because um, we all know that breast milk is the best um, nutritional milk, nutritionally uh, the best milk for the baby. And uh, we want to promote breastfeeding. That's what we all want to do. Now, mothers who are COVID positive, what do you do? That's, that's a big thing. So, so with the limited research and what we know so far, it appears that coronavirus is highly unlikely to be transmitted in breast milk, which is good news. So uh, that's as of now. Now, what we recommend is, um, of course, the decision about breastfeeding always has to be taken by the mother uh, in consultation with her family members and the healthcare provider. So once that decision has been made to uh, breastfeed, we recommend that mother wash their hands with soap and water or a hand sanitizer that has at least 60% alcohol before they touch the baby. Now, the next thing we recommend is that they cover their face with a, uh, with a cloth before they put the baby to breast or before they express their milk. If a mother is expressing breast milk, the recommendation is maybe she find another person to give the expressed breast milk to the baby. So those are kind of the recommendations mm. as now from the CDC with regards to a COVID-19 positive mother feeding the, bre uh, feeding, uh, uh, the baby breast milk. And as far as we know, for these pediatric COVID-19 cases that are occurring, we've never tried to trace them back to a breastfeeding uh, source. We, that's not that clear yet, that, that's been connected. That's right. I mean, as of now, there is no evidence that it is being transmitted through the breast milk. However, we have to be very careful about protecting the baby from the mother. And hence, we recommend that mother washes her hands before she touches and then uh, put on the cloth mask before she um, uh, breastfeeds or expresses breast milk. Also, what is recommended is the same quarantine precautions for the infant once the infant is being breastfed. It's exposed to a COVID-19 patient, which is the infant's mother. Very good. Well, I think uh, I'm glad I really picked this up. I have to give my assistant, my editorial assistant, Karina, uh, most of the credit. She does the research on which months are appropriate, and this was a very timely and uh, I think very appropriate month, and we're very fortunate to have someone of your expertise, Dr. Das, to give us the, the gospel and also remind everyone on the call that as president-elect of AFMR, you're very positive about the future of this organization and about supporting our young faculty and generating membership and support of our journal as well. Something that I'm sure you're going to be uh, stewarding very well as an ex-president. 
Well, thank you again, Richard, for uh, inviting me here. Uh, I, uh, it's, it's always good to be able to advocate uh, for breastfeeding. Uh, I'm thrilled to be the president-elect for AFMR. This is an organization I have been associated for uh, about 10 years now, and I really love the environment of all the, uh, the regional meetings, and you, know, you got to meet this um, you know, senior faculty, junior faculty, and its learners who, you know, this fine, this is a great forum for the medical students and, and the residents to be able to present their work and get mentored. Um, I think this is an organization uh, that has helped me grow in my own career and, and no, you know, make and no new people make friends like, you know, uh, it was great knowing you personally at the Southern Regional Meeting uh, this uh, this year, earlier this year. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's such a great meeting to be able to connect to, you know, other scientific minds and to be able to mentor the next generation of physician scientists. So I'm, I'm really look, looking forward to my role uh, as the next president-elect. Well, we wish you all a very successful year, and certainly if you wish to look at... Uh... Uh, an editorial, Dr. Das wrote a very insightful editorial, a mentoring, uh, looking about three or four issues ago in uh, the Journal of Investigative Medicine. You'll enjoy it. I certainly did. So, uh, colleagues and audience, I think we'll sign off at this time and really thank Dr. Das for giving us new insights into breastfeeding and hope you've all been able to understand uh, how relevant and important this area is and particularly the concerns we have during the COVID era. Thank you Thank again, you. Dr. Das. Thank you.